0: There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, loose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though sinful, too, wash all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. And since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Be washed with the word this morning. Exodus 6, 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8. It was not because you were more in number than any of the other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you or the house of slavery, from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Deuteronomy 24:17 through 18. You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment in pledge, but you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. Ruth 4:14 Then the women said to Naomi, "Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in all Israel." 2 Samuel 7:23 And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth "...whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name, and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people, whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods." Nehemiah 1.10 "...they are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power." and by your strong hand job 19:25 for i know that my redeemer lives and that the last he will stand upon the earth psalm 26:11 but as for me i shall walk in my integrity redeem me and be gracious to me psalm 46:26 rise up come to our help Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. Psalm 71:23. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, O my soul also, which you have redeemed. Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer. The Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God who is like me. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me. Since I appointed ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. I have told you from old and I declare it. And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock, I know not any. Luke one sixty eight. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Hebrews 9.15 Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that has redeemed them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. This is the word of the Lord to his redeemed, whom he has purchased with his blood. Pray with me this morning, would you? God, I pray that you would bring this word of redemption to us. God, I pray that you would take us back to the days of old. Yes, the days of old of your word and and through the pages and through the years and the decades and the centuries of your redeemed. And yes, take us back to the day when we remember that you called us out, that you chose us, that you ransomed our life and that we hearken back to that memory and those feelings and that time, and we remember. And we remember. And then we cry out to you, O God, restore to us the joy of your salvation. Help us to understand that as we look into your word, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in Exodus 12. Going to take a look at some things from 12 through 14. The actual deliverance of God's people. What God did in those days. May I call your mind back. May I ask you to remember that we're looking into this narrative portion of Scripture for two particular reasons. One, because they are an example to us. And the other is, is that they teach us the redemptive story of God. I use that over and over again because as I've just read from almost all the way through the Bible, and before I'm finished, we'll get all the way through the Bible, of a continual theme that God is redeeming. Whatever that word redeeming means, we will talk a little bit more about that but that it is both an example to us and gospel's the gospel story throughout. Now today I have uh, just to illustrate that a little bit further and I'm going to come back to it so hold this illustration for a while. I've got a, a little picture you can't see it but it's of my little peeps, you know. People like to talk about their grandchildren. I don't do it too much because I kind of get tired of people all the time talking about grandchildren. You know but these are these are my peeps and they just were here and so i got to spend some time with them have a have a grand time and watch their little characters grow you know and they, they do different things this year than they did last year I, i'm so amazed at how articulate little people are i don't know whether that has anything to do with social media or or homeschooling or just what it is but they ask they always ask the the funniest questions haven't they and and but uh, my little people are, are saying some very interesting and profound things that that make me think and, and so I love watching their character grow but now let me ask you um suppose they they came again and um and I'm looking at this picture this, this picture is a little old and but I'm looking at this picture and I'm seeing them and, and I think about them when I look there's three of them and so I look at their pictures and I think about their character even as I'm looking at it right now but then suppose they came and visited again next week, next month, next year you know and, and they came in the house oh pops <laughs> you know how they do they like their pops and all I did was reach over onto the coffee table there and, and, and pick up the picture and it's kind of silly isn't it It's kind of silly right here in this sermon isn't it a little, little silly does anybody get the point? here they are in the in, in, in real life in the flesh they're in front of me and yet all I do is what I look at the picture. look at the picture now I'm going to come back to that as I said but at the outset allow me to say that when we look at Exodus 12 13 and 14 and we talk about the great deliverance and we look into some of the details of the Passover that if we're not careful we begin to only look at the picture and we lose sight of of what is real. You see, when God gave us these pictures in the Old Testament, that redemptive part of my twofold example and redemptive story, that redemptive story is the real. It is what God wants us as believers in the Lord Jesus, as a part of His family, truly wants us to see. And you can see even by this illustration how ridiculous it would be for us to just go back and look at the picture when he's shown us something much more essential, much more real. And so we're going to look at these aspects of our deliverance, our Redeemer has come for us, And in a selfish way, in reading that hymn, there is a fountain filled with blood. I kind of remember my old days. I even said it in the prayer. I remember the days when I first went to church. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here for the very first time. Welcome. Maybe you're just getting back into the flow of things and you've left it. Welcome. Welcome. Maybe you've been coming here week after week for 35, 40 years. Welcome. But let's go back to the simple story of being redeemed for just a moment. Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Let's make sure we understand what's happening in the text. The Lord said to Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. Perhaps. Maybe the reason why I'm thinking about beginnings. Because as we look at this and we find out that this is a memorial, this is something to be celebrated every year, that God made a point to say, I want you to know this is a beginning. This is a beginning for you. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons according to... What each can eat. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood... I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So they're to do this. This is the night of the Passover. They're to kill the Passover lamb. They are to take the blood and sprinkle it on the doorpost the lintel over the top of the doorpost. And when God sees the blood on that house, he will pass by. He will not bring the plague or the judgment on where the blood has been applied. In other words, these people are to prepare. First of all, they are to prepare to be redeemed. Prepare to be redeemed. Do what I say to do. Don't don't eat outside the house. Uh, Make sure that you do everything according to what I have asked you to do. And I will pass by. Because judgment is coming upon the house of the Egyptians. And upon all those where the blood is not applied. I am the Lord God who both delivers and judges. And he will judge the houses of Egypt. In a day like ours today, we are faced with all kinds of people trying to assess whether whether or not God is just. And how can we put certain things together. But the first thing that we, I believe, need to understand in God's redemptive story as we apply this redemption to us is our state. That is, the Egyptian state, or the state of any who are outside of the Lord our God. Uh, I turn to a place that I think has many echoes, that is, that hearkens that back to a great deal of the language happening here in Exodus over in the 6th chapter of Romans. If you'll turn with me over to the 6th chapter of Romans, in, in fact, this is really a lot of the language that seems to be going on all through maybe chapters 3 and following all through Romans here. You see, because I think in order to properly understand and to maybe, maybe even go into the the heart of those who are being redeemed even after they're being redeemed we will as you know the story seek challenge after challenge after challenge that really reveals their heart you see our preparation for redemption begins with understanding who we are without christ who we are outside of redemption Take a look, then. I, you know, a, a verse that's very common to us over in Romans chapter three. In Romans chapter three, I read, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." That's right there, verse 24, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption. Now, Pastor, you've been reading all through that. You've mentioned it several times. What is this redemption? What is this redeemed business going on here? Well, it is a slave language word. And it is a word to be bought back. That is that a person at one time in their life might have been free. We can even think of American slavery, at least for this part of the illustration. And we can think that a person once was free, free in their own country, and yet stolen away, made captive. And yet we know that even in American slavery language, there is a manumission, a term, a legal term by which a slave can be set free. They can be ransomed. They can be purchased and set free. That's what it means to be redeemed or to be bought back. Once free, now enslaved, but then again bought back. You can see this in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 here, we see this But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness you were slaves to sin but through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ you have been set free he has come to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom. What's going on? You mean the life of Christ. You know, sometimes we use this Christian language and we just go right over it without really unpacking it. You know, Jesus is my ransom. Oh, that's nice. Sounds like that ought to be a good thing. I wonder what... what, I mean, when you think about not, not that he reached into his pocket and pulled out a payment that... I was due and, and, and laid that payment down, that's not the picture. If you look at the text, he, the Lord Jesus, is the ransom. He is the payment, the payment in his blood. You see, for those who were trapped in sin, like the Israelites in Egypt, once you and I were trapped in that sin. And the evidence of being redeemed is a new heart. It's a new heart, recognizing that I was, or at least at this point, maybe you, enslaved. And I have a desire to repent and a longing for eternal joy. You see, can you imagine with me for just a moment being enslaved for 400, 430 years, of the day these people were enslaved and and god said to them i want you to sit down i want you to strap on your belt tighten up most people believe that he's probably saying there as the text says in other places i want you to gird up your loins Now that really means because of a long robe to reach down between the legs and to reach up and to tuck that robe into the belt. And now instead of a long robe that goes all the way around, it's it's more like like pant legs. Reach up and gird up your loins. Then then I I want you to put your shoes on your feet. Normally you don't eat that. You take your shoes off at the door and you wash them. But I want you to, to eat with your shoes on your feet. I want your staff in your hand. I know it's a bit silliness on my part, but it really reminds me of the time I took off my football helmet and put it on the dinner table. It didn't, that didn't win any awards with my family. You don't do that sort There I am in football cleats. I already got my pads on. I was a little guy because I didn't play. <laughs> I've always been a little guy. and You know, and put put the helmet up there like that and my father looked at me like I had a third eye or something like that boy have you lost your ever-loving mind you know I mean we did not act improperly at the dinner table let me just say that okay we didn't do a lot of things right but the dinner table was that place I said but dad I only got 20 minutes here I got to woof this thing down because I got to get to the game. see Now he had a few other choice words and things to say about and the helmet came off the table and you know but you see, I was in a hurry. I wanted to, I wanted to woof it down. God says this is what I want you to do. And I can imagine they have gone to the Egyptians and the Bible says that they have plundered the Egyptians. They've told all the women to go to your neighbor and and ask them for this and ask them for that, even trinkets of jewelry and different kinds of valuable things. And the Bible says by the time that the Israelite women went about to their neighbors in all of Israel, that they actually plundered the country. And he says, get ready, get ready, get ready. We're not so ready. It's kind of hard today, isn't it? Is it hard to go out and evangelize? Is it hard to go out and talk to people? We have to go out and we have to make relationships? Why? They don't think they're in bondage. They don't think that they're in slavery. Maybe you're here today. Do you think you're in slavery? Maybe you're not a Christian today. Relax, that's not a condemnation. No, maybe you're not a Christian today. And maybe you're not feeling like you're enslaved. Maybe you are. And maybe you do. I'm thinking maybe you do. And the reason I think that is is because you can't get out from under it, can you? You, you can't look this way without feeling guilty. You, you can't think, you, right now, as soon as I say the word guilty, half of you in the room Half of you in the room are thinking about something you've done, something you said, somewhere you were, and you're hit with guilt. The other half of you are liars. Well, I joke, but I don't joke. Because what I want you to know, if there is half and half, is that there is no half and half. There's every single one of us in this room who know how trapped we are within this sin nature. Even if we know the Lord, we still battle. We're still wrestling. Yes, God has come and he's redeemed us. He's brought us out of Egypt. And yet we find ourselves in places in the wilderness still fighting and wondering whether we ought to go back to Egypt or not. We still fight. But the first step is is to prepare to be redeemed. Are you here today, and do you want to be redeemed? And maybe you don't know what that means right now, but all you can say simply is, God, save me. God, redeem me. God, please buy me. God, please buy me. You see, I'm trying to go back. I'm preaching as simple as I heard about 40-some years ago when I came to know the Lord. And God's gospel speaks very plainly and very clearly through the redemption, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today, you will have an opportunity to say any way that you want to, God, please buy me, please redeem me. But secondly, and that's really what the story is about here, is that we see in the text the provision for the redemption. The provision, first the preparation and then For the provision of redemption, God satisfied His own righteousness, His own righteous anger, proving He is just and the one who justifies the unrighteous. Now, continuing back here in this Romans chapter 3 passage, I see a lot of Exodus language, as I've already said. In fact, allow me to go back there and just to pick it up, beginning in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God in Romans 3:21 has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe there is no distinction. May I pick up may I pick up on just the briefest word of parenthetical thought Anybody say no? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. For there is no distinction. You see how he's being very inclusive, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? If I go back, which it's a parenthetical thought, so I'm not going to, back to Exodus, the Bible actually says when the Israelites left and went out that it was, watch this, a very mixed people. A very mixed people went along with them. A very mixed people escaped Egypt with them. And I think that there's an echo in there of God's redemption to the nations. In fact, there were Egyptians who left Egypt with the Israelites. Why? Because God shows no distinction. That's where I see that. End of parentheses. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I start watching the Apostle Paul and he starts saying words back and forth, I get a little confused. And and I have to go really, really slowly. In, In this text... It says that Jesus was put forward, first of all, as a propitiation. Big word for me. And in, in, in general, it means as a satisfaction. Whom God put forward to satisfy, as a satisfaction, by His blood to be received by faith. Now, who's being satisfied? If Jesus is being put forward as a satisfaction... Who is being satisfied? God is being satisfied. Even moreover, the wrath of God is being... God is angry. God is angry, rightfully angry at sin. We might even go so far as to keep it in our context to say that God is angry at the evil sin that He sees in the Egyptians. And, and, and that He is his, his wrath needs to be satisfied it needs to be propitiated and and therefore he he puts forward his son as the propitiation by his blood to be received by faith i mean think about it i know it's an old old story but just think about it i kill a lamb i have blood and i take some of the blood and i put it on the doorpost now, if you you've been a Christian as long as I have, we've heard it so many times. You've watched the cartoon, okay? You've seen the movies, et cetera, et cetera. But just think for a second. Isn't that kind of weird? I mean, you could do a lot of things. You could bring in a you could bring an army down from another country. You could do a lot of different kinds of. You want me to kill an animal? You want me to put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel? One could almost say that makes absolute sense, senseless. It doesn't make any sense at all, one of those. Unless what? Unless God said, that's what I want you to do. That without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. That's what I want you to do, and you do it by? You do it by? You do it by faith. Faith alone. The obedience of faith, as Paul says here in Romans. And so it makes God righteous. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passes over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time. Now this is the sins created all the way through the centuries. Now he's writing to these Romans and he's saying, at this present time, that God may prove to be both the just and the justifier. Think for a moment, just a second. If God only said, well, let's just be exaggerative. Let's just say God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to go down to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, let my people go. And and, uh, so Moses went down and said, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, okay, see ya. And, And then all the people just packed up their things and left. They didn't go to the Red Sea. They went by the way of the Philistines, which the Bible says in these chapters. They didn't go. They went right up. They walked right in. Flowing with milk and honey. Just went from one right to the other. There's no judgment. There's nothing upon the Egyptians whatsoever. How do you think that the Israelites feel at this point? Are they grateful? I think that the next few chapters are going to show us that they went through a lot of different things in their minds about who God was and what's happening to them and the conflicts that are going on. But if... I am right, and the human nature is what it is, they go, eh, okay, no big deal. No big deal. Or maybe even so far as, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure about this Yahweh God. I mean, do you know that those Egyptians, they killed so many of our firstborn? You remember back Moses was born? So many weren't as, as fortunate as Moses put in the back. They killed a lot of our... For, did you see what they did? How many of our people died building their buildings and being beaten the way that we were beaten? And even there at the very end, where we had to make the bricks without the straw and the way that they treated us. And you know, God just said, Yeah. It begins to look that God is not actually what? He's not actually just. He's not actually just. But God must punish the sin. So God had to punish just the Egyptians so that the Israelites could go out and then they would think once they got there that they were the justified people because God was just. I just lied to you. pushing you a little bit you know i read that passage back in deuteronomy 7 7 through 8 and it basically says oh so the reason because deuteronomy is way after it but it oh so you're the people who think that you're special you're the people who think that oh you are since you're such a great nation since you're so numerous a nation and i expand upon it a little bit because i think that it's clear in the text that god is saying to israel you think maybe that i redeemed you because you were so special at that point because the text goes on to say no that's not the reason that's not the reason that I put my love on you, is what Deuteronomy says. The reason I put my love on you is because I made a covenant with your fathers. And I'm fulfilling my covenant. You see who God is pleasing first? God is actually pleasing. God is actually pleasing himself first. God is actually upholding his own integrity first by delivering the Israelites out of the hands of the Egyptians. Otherwise, God is not just. You see, in the deliverance of Israel from the Egyptians, God is both the just, because he's doing what he said he would do, and he's the justifier because he's doing it. And we get to the Lord Jesus Christ and we see that over the centuries through Scripture God has passed over the sins his forbearance he's been patient but now he comes to a point in history where it's time for the payment to be paid and once again God will not allow the the sinful, the evil, to go unpunished. And so He will take that punishment and He'll put it on His Son, Jesus, who becomes the propitiation. He becomes the Passover Lamb. The Passover Lamb that was slain to deliver His people. How? By faith. By faith. So I'd say to you finally that I have been redeemed. That I have been redeemed. By your blood, you ransomed me. We just sang it. I quickly go over to the last book in the Bible. I told you I was going to do the whole Bible, and here we go. Revelation chapter 5 in verses 9 and 10. And they did what we did, and we sang, and they sang, because we sang this. What did he say? And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Now you know what I was saying right there, didn't you? They said this, we just sang it. Did you notice we just sang it? Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the scroll? And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you bought me you ransomed me you ransomed me I have been redeemed for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed me ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth he's coming back to collect his own He's coming back to collect his ransom to people. And I'm wondering today, have you been bought with the price? Have you been bought with the price of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, Pastor, I've been coming to church for a while. You're, You're just saying the same things I've heard. Oh, the gospel. Oh, the wonderful, wonderful story of Jesus and his redeeming blood. I pray to your heart right now, it does not grow old. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of him all day long. I sing for I cannot be silent, his love is the theme of my song. I I know I shall see him in his beauty, the king whose way I delight who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. I love that song, Redeemed. I actually did it as a solo once. It was horrible. It was just terrible. I had the privilege of serving alongside of Pete and, and Joanne Butler who wrote the tune to that song. How about this? I will kneel in the dust At the foot of the cross, where mercy paid for me. Where the wrath I deserve, it is gone. It has passed. Your blood has hidden me. Mercy, mercy is endless as the sea. I'll sing your hallelujah for all eternity. We will lift up the cup and the bread we will break. Remembering your love, we are fallen from grace, but you took on our shame and nailed it to the cross. Mercy, mercy, as endless as the sea, I'll sing your hallelujah for all eternity. Oh, may I never lose the wonder, oh, the wonder of your mercy. May I sing your hallelujah. Hallelujah, amen. I'm wondering today, are you still bound in slavery? Are you still captive? I tell you right now, as the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out, that is that the good news, that Jesus has paid the price for you. He has paid the price and he is the only redeemer, the one who will buy you. I pray that God is preparing your heart and that that heart preparation will say, yes, God, please buy me. I don't really know all that it means, but would you redeem me? Would you make me one of your children? Would you buy me into your family today that I may sing that you are indeed my blessed Redeemer? If that's your that's your question is that your hope is that your desire today this is the message for you today that jesus christ has paid a price that you could not pay that god would not accept if you paid it but jesus has paid it for you and i pray receive that gift today receive the gift of our great redeemer pray with me would you please Father, I pray that you would send your spirit out in the simplicity of the gospel. It needs to be made clear. There isn't a person in this room who doesn't know what it feels like to be captive by our sinful desires. That is, those things that we want to do that we know is wrong. And the reason we know that's wrong is because you have put that in our heart. We do know right from wrong. And we continue to try and go our own way. But you, you have paid the price for us. And the sin has been laid upon you. And that you have redeemed your people. And yet, Lord, maybe there are those might say, I don't know whether God has bought me. I don't know whether God has redeemed me. I want to be set free. I want to know what that means. That's your prayer today. I would like to talk with you. God, I pray that you would indeed show mercy, mercy, because it is indeed as endless as the sea. And when you redeem someone, they will sing your hallelujah for all eternity. I pray that you would do that, not because of the eloquence of a speaker. We have proven that. But I pray that by your spirit, redeem your children.